Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health and fitness. This is episode 56, and joining me on today's show is Debbie Potts. And we're going to be discussing the topic of detecting and avoiding burnout. Debbie is a certified functional diagnostics nutritional practitioner, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and also a Keon coach and a DNA fit coach. She is the host of the Low Carb Athlete Health Building podcast. Debbie is also a number one author of the bestseller, Life Is Not A Race. Hi, Debbie. Thanks very much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I am actually amazing. <laughs> Just enjoying <laughs> life right now, so it's great. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were speaking before we started recording. You've had some some pretty uh, life-changing events uh, in the last two months, which is very impressive given, you know, the situation that we're in. But um, it's it's good to hear that you're kind of following your, your goals and your dreams. Yeah, totally following our dreams. You know, we just made a – I always think everything happens for a reason and I, and you learn from each – like mm. the pandemic we're in, there's – what are the learning lessons here? And for us, it's – you know, it just allowed us to do our own jobs online. You know, I'm coaching clients and my husband's new right. job's out of New Zealand, so he's working online. And so we're like, awesome. you know, it's time to move. We've I've lived in Seattle, Bellevue, Washington for – ever and we just sold our house in a week and a week later we're you know closing and you know a month later we're living in airbnb in the mountains and cycling out our door like we're in tuscany so our new thing is quality of life hashtag q o l yeah Yeah, i I completely resonate with that and i think a lot of people listening would be very envious of your situation particularly as you 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 know compare it to 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 cycling in the mountains in tuscany i mean that sounds completely idyllic uh, to be honest so yeah that's great so yeah i think a lot of it you know what we'll get to today is is learning about your own red flags and and learning how to deal with stress and busyness and i think covid for everyone you know being at home and and staying at home all day, you have to learn a new normal and a new way of living and how to, you know, make the best of every day. Are you there, Debbie? Oh, now I hear you. Yep. Now it's back. Oh, yeah. You dropped out. You dropped out there. Oh. So I, I, we heard um, up to the bit of, of COVID. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you can take it from there. Sure. Yeah. I just think, you know, a lot of us have, have had to, well, we're being, staying home around the world. And so I think it's your old life had to change and how to make the yeah. best of the situation we're in and make it however you can positive and, you know, re schedule your daily activities and figure out some new things you can do to embrace the change and find, you know, new sense of vitality and how to thrive Mm. when we're such a a crazy time in our world. 
Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. I mean, look, let's let's address the the situation in terms of, you know, it was it, it's been crazy the the pandemic that's happened. But I, I I truly believe as you as you do, there is a lot of good that's come out of this, and I think for the first time in, I would say the large majority of people's lives, we've never had an opportunity to actually press pause, stop, and reflect on where we're at, what we're doing you know, what yep. we want from life and things like that. And I I've, I've truly have taken a lot from it. So I think, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we, I, I believe as a, as a Western society, at least, that we, we have become a, a very um, impatient and want everything now and materialistic. And I think what this pandemic has done has actually m- really made us reflect, hopefully, on what's important um and you know as as you said you know it's it's about quality of life so yeah i definitely um resonate with that so for those that haven't heard of you and come across debbie potts before you, you know you've got a really interesting background you've got some <laughs> fantastic um qualifications can you give us a bit of background on yourself hmm well yes i can i started in personal training 25 plus years ago and started doing triathlons. Uh, let's see. In 2001, I started doing Ironman and triathlons in 1995. Right. So I did it a long time. My pretty much competitive career in triathlons ended in end of 2012. And I had kind of my my life changed as I knew it in 2013, about March, and has led me down this journey, this road to help other people avoid going through what happened to me back then. So right. I wrote a book, Life is Not a Race, to help kind of sort through what happened in my own mind and, you know, get my head right. And then I realized, you know, there's a lot of other people out there like me that were doing too much every day and, you know, starting ad triathlons on top of a busy, hectic life. And it doesn't, it doesn't do well (laughs) for long-term health. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think that's it, isn't it? I think the danger, as as great as as getting fit and healthy is, and as great as as we both know that triathlon and Ironman is, there's a there's a danger there from the point of you feel like you're invincible, and mm. the more you can do, the more you want to do, and whilst you might look fit and healthy on the outside, <laughs> the story inside can be very different. So. Can you share with us kind of what was the pivotal moment, you know, which, which, you know, happened to you and which caused you obviously to, to write the book and everything else? Yeah, it started in, you know, to me in my head, March, 2013. In March, 2013, I started, you know, I was training for a half Ironman coming up that spring and big race goal was Ironman Canada in that August. And I suddenly just got really tired and I couldn't do anything and I my body was changing. I gained 30 pounds and I felt like overnight and lost muscle tone and I couldn't sleep through the night. I was awake two in the morning every night, wide awake, and and I struggled through the day and of course got depressed and mm-hmm. you know frustrated and and I started this journey of trying to get help. You know, what what's going on with me? What's wrong? Why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. And it led me down this path that I couldn't get answers. I went to about nine different doctors and practitioners, naturopaths, and all these different people, and you know, started doing all these lab tests and started to try to 
get better and race again. You know, I just have this race yeah. schedule. I paid for these races. I have a training schedule. <laughs> I got to get on with my life. And, you know, that's 2013 and I still haven't been able to race. So it's, it's something that I'm passionate about helping other people because the main thing I learned from all that, you know, my immediate response was, you know, just give me that quick fix. I need to get back to yeah. racing. Cause I just finished, you know, the best season of my life and I had goals. I wanted to beat my time in the in 2013. And I just like, mm -hmm. you know, this is causing me <laughs> interrupting my plans here. Let's get on with it and move yeah. on. Yeah. It's, um, but, sorry, go on. I interrupted you then. No, no. I was, I just, I think it's just the, the main learning thing I, I didn't really say is you take one step forward, two steps back. And a lot of it, I was searching for this magic pill, I think. And a lot of it is my mindset and my lifestyle habits. And if I wasn't going to change all that, I always say now, as I'm a health coach, is that you can't out supplement poor lifestyle habits. You can't out exercise yeah. bad diet, but you know, you have to change. You can't just expect, you know, to treat your lab results with certain supplements and think you're gonna get better. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's a very interesting point that you just mentioned there because that's something that I've never heard before and something that I've never considered and that is out supplementing you know a, a, either a bad diet or a, or a bad lifestyle I think you said so it's you know that is the thing though isn't it when you know as and, and we're going in a little bit to advance for some of the from, for some of the listeners that perhaps haven't even you know kind of started their fitness journey but for those who are a little bit more advanced and are perhaps competing and doing events and stuff when you when you do start to go down this lab testing route it almost becomes a little bit of an addiction from the perspective of you know oh i'm not performing at my best so i'm going to go and have this lab test done and that's going to tell me where i'm deficient so if i'm deficient in x then i'm going to give myself x as a supplement and then i'll be good and i can go again and it doesn't work like that as you, as you found out so what kind of led you to doing the deep research that you did rather than you know, kind of trusting what a doctor or, you know, a nutritionist or whatever you went to see would say? Well, ironically, I was, you know, a personal trainer, I said for a long time, and I, I started to transition into nutrition and health coaching. And I was in Ben Greenfield's program to be a coach called Superhuman Coach back then. And now we're, yeah. we've just recently became Keon coaches under him. And so I was learning all this stuff. And it was kind of, serendipitous that I was at a conference that Ben put on just one time in Spokane, Washington, superhuman coach that had Dave Asprey and Jimmy Moore and all these different people uh, speaking about chronic stresses and HRV right. and cold thermogenesis and fasting. And this was 2013. So it was very early right. on, you know, talking mm. about high fat diet and keto and all that. And so I was studying all this stuff and then I realized, okay, <laughs> I'm dealing with this myself. What is adrenal fatigue, adrenal exhaustion? You know, now we call it HPA, hypothalamus to pituitary gland to adrenal gland axis. So HPA axis dysregulation is a technical name for adrenal right. exhaustion. And that's what I was going through. Also, I was in this uh, fitness mastermind group. And uh, one of my peers, she was taking a Dr. Kalish course and she needed me, she needed a, a case study. And so it just happened right. to be, we we're at this retreat when I first had this huge aha moment that something was wrong with me because I got severely right. sick and talked about in my book that I 
just wasn't feeling well and I got sick from alcohol and was sick for a week and I was like, something's not right. <laughs> so mm. um, anyways, I was studying all of it and then I realized, okay, I'm, I'm the case study here. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, so on, on the burnout side of things then, what were the key issues that you faced personally when you, you know, you, when you actually had that realization that I'm actually burnt out here, that's my problem. Yeah. Um, what kind of issues was it? I mean, you, you mentioned adrenal fatigue and stuff like that, but what were your specific issues? Well, the, the weekend that we're at this retreat is actually here, Torrey Pine, San Diego, I was at a retreat and I went to go do my Ironman training. I was, you know, running and I was, I was, you know, I look back, I was fasting, I was into low carb keto, Um, wasn't really termed keto back then, but I was doing, you know, fasted workouts and I went and ran sprints in the afternoon and I wasn't, I was very strict on what I ate. And then I went to, um, we had our mastermind party that night and people are like, you need to relax and let loose. Cause I was so serious about training and I didn't realize until, you know, after the fact that I was so uptight and just so, you know, type A wound up, like I'm, you know, so competitive that I'm like, okay, all right, I'll let my guard down. And I had some wine on this um, wine. We we're going out for dinner and we we're on this party bus. And that was a big thing for me because I had wine. I hadn't eaten. I just did sprint workout. You know, I was so strict right. with eating. I couldn't eat anything. So then I didn't eat. So that was, you know, a mess. And then the next day or that night I got super sick and next day I was sick. And so I realized, you know, my I didn't know what it was, but liver congestion, I couldn't process or detoxify alcohol. And so that was a big thing because I was, you know, throwing up everywhere, TMI, but it was a lot. (laughs) It was not good. And I got up, of course, the next day feeling totally hungover. And I was like trying to swim because I had a swim workout to do. And then I I had a long run scheduled and I was trying to do everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick. So that was the beginning of it. The next Mm. incident was on a bike ride back home and I... I'm usually a strong cyclist and I had nothing. I right. can take a pedal stroke. And that was like wow. the big aha moments. Like, all right, what is going on? And I just had to pull over and I started crying and going, okay, what mm. is wrong with me? Mm. And then my body changing, you know, I was, I, you know, you're never, you're always your worst critic and never happy about yeah. your body being fitly. I'm like, gosh, I wish I looked like that now, but I was never yeah. happy. I always thought I had more weight to lose. And, but then suddenly I gained literally 30 pounds. I went to Ironman Coeur d'Alene with people and I, I went and weighed myself. I'm like, oh my God, what has happened? And I couldn't understand. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I was so embarrassed to go out in public because I felt like everyone's going to mm. go, okay, she's lazy. She's been eating donuts and ice cream <laughs> sitting on the sofa watching TV, but I was still work. Yeah. I was trying to work out, but I had no energy, but it was just had nothing to do with exercise and nutrition. That's what I try to tell people all the time. And I wanted to carry a sign up a billboard around me like this I'm fat and I'm overweight and yeah. it's not because I'm not exercising or attempting and it's not what I'm eating because I I'm eating still you know healthy food so that was a big part yeah yeah so so once you obviously had realized you know that was the case and you're right actually we are our, our own worst critic and I would say that from a mindset perspective you you know, when you are in the position, particularly where you was at, where you're, it's performance, 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 and you are so dedicated to, to that. And, you know, the mindset kind of challenge that you have with yourself is like, 
I'm fit. You know, I'm a good cyclist or I'm a good runner. Why the hell can I not put in the training performance that I want to put in? How am I going to fare in the race? And, you know, that side of it, just that alone without the fatigue must have been really tough to kind of deal with. I mean, that, yeah, that, that is, that is, you know, obviously a, a struggle. So, um, in terms of what you then started to do, I mean, what was the process that you then started to go through? I mean, did you did you then decide what, you know, you realized that you had the fatigue, you was burnt out? Was it just a case that you stopped and you had to do a load of testing, analyze where the fatigue mm-hmm. was from? what was happening with your body and all the rest of it or how did what process did you go through probably what a lot of people i I now coach do the same as i did because people you coach end up being people similar to yourself and i was stuck in the cycle of trial and error we say and it's you know try this that doesn't work try that and you're just on this journey and you're googling everything and then you read something you listen to podcasts you're, you're taking all these different supplements so that was part of it and i was probably too obsessed with everything because <laughs> you're just, yeah. you know, we're driven competitive individuals yeah. and, yeah. you know, stereotype type A athlete. And I I think I was blessed that I was, you know, met someone that was looking for a case study for the program there and with Dr. Kalish who focuses on adrenal exhaustion. And then I mm-hmm. listened to someone else's podcast, Christopher Kelly, and he was just starting his business right. coaching people. And he focuses on athletes and, and adrenal, you know, fat- chronic fatigue issues. And so I, I had those people and to do the lab yeah. work, but I was still stubborn. I mean, I didn't, it's taken me years to figure yeah. out that, okay, I was, I was looking for the quick fix. I wasn't, I yeah. wanted to get back to, you know, I had a race I paid for, I had goals to achieve and, and, yeah. you know, that's my lesson learned that I want to help other people with is that, you know, you have to be patient and maybe take the year off racing if you want to get better or else you just spend Mm. five years instead of three months fixing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that is a hard thing to actually, um, implement because like you say, you know, we are a bit type A, we've got goals. We want to, we want to do races. It's why you do what you do. It's why you train. And, you know, I, I can definitely, definitely relate to that. I mean, f- thankfully, yeah, you know, I've not burnt out, but for me to take time out, you know, I'm really paranoid if I miss one session, you know, and, and even like in through the pandemic th- this year, we don't have any races mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not going to do one of my sessions today. And, and that's stressing me out <laughs> quite frankly, because I'm not doing it. Yeah. But then I kind of had this realization before we started recording, I'm like, hang on a minute. You know, you, you, yes, you're training, but you haven't got a race. You can't do any racing, even if you wanted to. So just kind of give yourself an easier time. So I think that that comes a little bit back to, down to the mindset. So, so obviously, you, you know, you started to to go through this process. So what what happened? Did you did you just completely stop training? Did you take it down? You know, what, what happened from that perspective? Well, I think that was my problem was I, I didn't stop training. I kept trying wow. to, and that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just kept like, okay, I'm going to get better. But then I started listening to uh, the Dr. Kalish doctor and I was working with her, the student, and then Christopher Kelly was helping me. And, you know, it was really, I didn't listen to them entirely that I had to just stop right. training because ideally you're supposed to just work out up to 45 minutes and if you've done Ironman you know I did Ironmans for 15 years uh that's a little difficult (laughs) it's like 45 minutes it's my warm-up and so 
once you're used to long distance stuff, now I, you know, 30, 45 minutes is perfect for me. I can't imagine going longer. A lot of times it's just a, a, <laughs> such a joy. But back then I was like, no, I can't. And I kept pushing it, you know, and I kept trying to do too much. And yeah. so I think the lifestyle factors, but what people don't realize is all the, the, the collection or the combination of external stressors that become ongoing become chronic. And it's what we t right. identify when I'm doing FDM practitioner work with clients is what are your external stressors? Your chronic stressors are nonstop, like a leaky faucet. And we need to mm -hmm. identify those. And for me, it wasn't just training and trying to push the envelope all the time. It was learning how to, you know, step back from that. But that wasn't the only thing. My problem, probably, you know, almost equally as challenging is running my own business. And I was, right. you know, busy all day long. So, yes, I did eventually smarten up and cut down on workouts and just went for walks. My body wouldn't do anything anyway. So I couldn't force it to run because yeah. I, I just couldn't run. I had to go right. for a walk or try run walking, but I couldn't, I didn't have any energy. You know, I'd have naps every right. day instead of going for a bike ride. Wow. So wow. it was, it, your body tells you, but the thing is, yeah. you have to finally learn how to listen to those red flags that your body's sending you. For years, I probably had them, but until I hit that yeah. wall and dug myself in such a big hole that I finally, I was forced to listen to those signals my body was giving me. I had no other option. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's it, though, isn't it? I think being and again, when people listening to this hear this, you know, being tuned into your body and knowing yourself, that might be quite a strange kind of concept to people because your instant reaction is, well, I know my body, I know myself, but you it's almost like you you get the signals and the messages, but you purposely ignore them. Sometimes I think, particularly with men, from an ego perspective, it's kind mm. of this, ah, oh, just man up kind of attitude. Yes. Um, and partly because you are so driven, you don't want to, it's almost like you, 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 you know, this whole kind of grind and you don't want to admit, it's not defeat, but you don't want to admit when it's time to kind of just <laughs> rest because mm -hmm. you feel like you should, you know, you feel like you should be invincible, don't you? Yes. And I, I say the exact same thing. I felt I was invincible. No one can knock me down. You feel like you're superhuman and you can handle everything. And yeah. that if you don't do something, if you're not constantly busy, doing something, mm. doing your workout, do your training, go to yoga, take your kids, make dinner, whatever it is, you feel yeah. like you're a failure. You feel like you're lazy, yeah. pathetic. And mm. so I think we set that bar so high that if you're not doing something, you feel guilty. I mean, yeah. look at my life right now compared to back then, <laughs> complete extreme opposite. It's insane. But I had to do that to get myself healthier because I continued to have stressors and doing too much. And that goes back to our beginning of the conversation that COVID, this pandemic, has forced mm. everyone to stay at home and to reflect on how you live your life. Are you living your life as a race and doing so much? Now you have to stay home. You have to communicate with your family. You have to, you know, work out by yourself and figure out how to stay fit and healthy and happy. And you have to change. And so yeah. I think a lot of it is is learning that it's okay to take time out and pause and reset. Yeah, def definitely. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with that. But there, there will be some people listening to this, Debbie, who perhaps, aside from the exercise side of things, 
still have that manic lifestyle. So they have the career, they have the family, they have the responsibilities and everything else, you know, relationships and everything else who, you know, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, could also, uh, you know, without the exercise element, be facing kind of fatigue. So, so what are the kind of the key elements you would say for like warning signs, red flags for people to, to kind of look out for? Yeah, I think, you know, that's what I try to express and try to relate this in my book that it wasn't, it, it doesn't matter if you did, you know, multiple race endurance events and racing and did Ironman every year. You don't even have to be an athlete. It's about, you know, getting up in the morning too early and not stopping yeah. until you go to bed at night. And you're just rushing through each day and never stopping and having a little transition, you know, T1 and T2, maybe add a T4 <laughs> and a T5 in your day that, yeah. you know, you're, you're slowing down. But I think we just are so addicted to busyness. And we said, you know, we're yeah. that overachievers that you feel inadequate if you're not always doing mm -hmm. something. And so the red flags to answer your question would be, you know, I don't have the energy. I, you know, I'm, I'm really tired. I, my body's not recovering. I feel that I'm gaining weight. I have, you know, insulin resistance. I have, mm -hmm. you know, sensitive to so many different foods. I was reactive to just healthy foods that started to be irritated to my gut, um, bloating mm -hmm. to your belly, you know, joints hurting, right? all sorts of issues that you don't really correlate with how it's, you know, all around your body, but it's, it's accumulation mm -hmm. of stressors that are impacting your health on the inside out. So looking under the hood yeah. is always what I like to people to do. Yeah. And so at that point, when we go back to, to when obviously the, 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 the kind of pivotal moment happened, what kind of diet were you following at that point? Were you, were you low carb and yeah. more high fat then? Yeah. That's what I was saying. I think was uh, actually, I've written this lately in blogs that that was a stress because I was right. so serious when I got so sick on this, you know, retreat I was on and drinking wine, trying to relax and not be so uptight. Mm. I hadn't eaten and I was doing bulletproof coffee, like a gallon right. of it every morning <laughs> and having, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't eat till later in the day. I was doing what's called now, you know, keto, low carb and intermittent fasting before yeah. it was even termed that I was doing mm -hmm. all that stuff because you know, we started our Fit Fat Fast podcast back in 2011. So I was podcasting about metabolic efficiency and I started doing metabolic efficiency testing in 2005. So he's well aware about burning fat and being fat adapted before mm -hmm. it was really a thing and had those terms out there. So I was doing low carb, but I wasn't, I was too strict. You know, I, I wasn't eating yeah. if there's something wouldn't be around and what I tell people now is, you know, make it sustainable. And, right. you know, that's what I've learned now. Even I've, you was trying carnivore and then I was, in, I was, you know, looking at individuality, but mm -hmm. I was trying different foods and different, you know, more meat, but then no vegetables. And then, you know, I just, another story got microbiome test and I'm not even detecting certain bacteria that help for your metabolism. So it's right. fascinating why you have to really individualize everything. And I was, I think yeah. everyone thinks there's one size fits all. So yeah, stress, yeah. chronic stress can be doing anything too much. So there's good stress right. and bad stress. And I was, even if you're fasting, it can be too a stress if you're doing too much or too low carb yeah. because you're an athlete and you're doing a lot. Yeah.
yeah yeah i i can definitely relate to that over the last couple of weeks you know i i you know i was mainly keto fat adapted and due to my training volume what i had i did start to feel during training sessions that i was just lacking with gas in the tank and so over the last three weeks i've actually switched back to having more carbohydrates in my diet yep um just to monitor how I feel. And I do, I definitely do feel better during my workouts. You know, I've not gone back to completely carb based, but I'm having, you know, where I was probably having about five to 10%, I'm now having 15 to 25% of my, you know, macro breakdown as carbohydrates. And I definitely do feel better. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it comes back to what you said earlier about knowing your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously with keto and yeah being fat adapted being such a popular thing right now uh, and generally you know the western diet particularly with guys that i work with you do see that you know over 50 or 50 to to over 50 percent of their diet is carbohydrates you know there are there clearly is benefits to, to to low carb yes so what would you say you know that dads listen to this you know if they were to monitor their diet and see that they're carb heavy how could they start to initiate this move towards being more fats and how could they overcome this mindset that we've all been told that fats are bad yeah well example i do i'm coaching uh, a father and son right now who are doing my 30 day program, just, I call it just kind of a jump start, And I divide it in three yeah. phases. So phase one's kind of a five day jump start, and then more of a reset reboot for 21 days. Phase three is more yeah. maintenance. Let's, you know, do this 80% of the time once you're fat adapted and let's make yeah. it sustainable and figure out how to do this in real life and continue on and make this normal for you. But, um, you know, it's, it's working on individuality too. I also like to look at metabolic typing. Yeah. I like to look at DNA fit, which is out of the UK as well. And just kind of correlate yeah. all this information together to make it yeah. individualized. But yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they, it's easy for guys more than women because their hormones are different and right. you know, I, it's a different for women versus men. And I've been writing a lot about that lately because we uh, might need more carbohydrates. Guys, yeah. Depending on your activity level, you it's amazing. They lost eight pounds in the last two weeks. And, you know, women don't respond that way. But men, when I put them right. into lower carbs and just, you know, a little bit more restrictive in the beginning, they realize how much energy they have and how yeah. they're not even hungry. After they had they forgot to eat. And you know, and it's mm. so interesting. A 14-year-old is yeah. doing this. Yeah. And I think it's great to do with your family because you're eating together. And I get them instead of you know, eating a big meal at night, let's go for a walk at night and, yeah. you know, have family time together and make it all of you. Cause I, it doesn't work when you're changing what you're eating and the rest of your family still eating processed foods and vegetable yeah. oils and high sugar and gluten grains. So I think yeah. it's best to do for families. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I would agree with that. I wouldn't say that my kids have kind of followed that way, but they do understand the the effects and the benefits of carbohydrates and fat so for example you know kids having lunch uh, and then what happens to them in terms of their attention um in the afternoon and and i you know because of lockdown and because we've been doing this homeschooling you know we've been doing bits of experiments and i want you know getting them to have a carby lunch and then see how they feel in the afternoon you can see they feel a little bit irritable and they feel a bit tired versus having maybe avocado on toast 
um, or, you know, eggs and avocado and how different they feel. And, you know, it's just that, that, that slight little bit of change um, to, to, for them to understand the benefits of fats and what carbohydrates do to their, just to their energy level. So I completely agree. It's definitely a family thing um, that you need to do. And I think, you know, people misunderstand when, when, when you talk about being fat adapted, you know, as you mentioned there, it's not about just having a a load of vegetable oils and all the rest of it. It's it's about having good quality fats, like, you know, your omega threes and things like that and Mm -hmm. understanding why we need them and what it does to the body, you know, particularly from a a, a cognitive function and everything else and and a long more uh, sustainable energy. Um, so, So there's definitely benefits to that. But, Coming over to, to like the, the athletes and particularly, you know, when we're talking about endurance sports, but not just about Ironman, but endurance sports in general, how, because this is something that I personally struggled with. And that is, you know, like you say, it's individuality and, and, and different people's bodies burn carbohydrates at a different way in a different rate at a different time. So how, can you talk about that in a little bit more detail or is it just a case of it's just really down to the individual? Yeah, well, a good example. Another example is a, another client I'm working with. I'm, I'm not doing his triathlon schedule. He's training for a race, which is his mock race tomorrow. We're pretending he's racing. Right. <laughs> he's just doing it on his own. But, okay. um, you know, I've been matching his nutrition with his exercise and doing okay. lower heart rate. And because he came to me and he was doing low carb, and been had been doing that, but he was eat, not eating enough, and he okay. was fasting too long and trying to do fasted workouts. So it is n equals one, and right. looking at that person, how do they feel? And we just experiment, like you said, you know, try this. All right, let's add a little bit more, say, sweet mm-hmm. potatoes with your protein on Friday night because you're going to go for a four hour bike ride. Let's instead of doing a fasted yeah. three hour bike ride, let's look at, you know, having some avocado and some nuts an hour mm-hmm. before you ride, and let's have We've tried like hydration drink if it's, you know, you can or S fuels and right. having just base salt or sea salt in your water. And, you know, we tried different bars that are lower carb, lower sugar. But if he's doing low heart rate, yeah. he came to me and he was doing all high heart rate work. I'm like, well, right. it doesn't work when you're training burning carbs yeah. and you're eating low carb. You have to match that. So let's do more fat burning heart rate workouts and do yeah. low carb, but then the days you're doing a high heart rate workout, you need more carbs. So it is like Peter Defty has a lot of information on optimal fat metabolism. And, you yeah. know, instead of labeling for athletes, endurance athletes specifically, that you're doing keto low carb, it's more about, you know, being fat burner, optimal fat metabolism, as he says, and, and work on that carb timing. And so we get yeah. taught because you know, the keto world, carnivore, you know, all the low carb, high fat people, the research is more for health benefits and not necessarily yes. even on women, it's based on men, but they're not looking at, okay, how do we apply all this information we read and hear about and all these success stories, but none of those people are going to work out 20 hours a week, 15 hours no. a week, you know, five hours. So it is experimental for you and your, how you're training and what phase of your training and tweak it. But I think the challenges people follow what they read online and hear about stories because you know they're having huge results well it's different when you're exercising and you don't have health issues yeah yeah definitely and 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 you know like you say it is 
it's, it's very hard. And this is where I think a coach is so valuable because it's when you're doing your plan and you're doing your own nutrition, it's very, very difficult to take yourself above that and look outside of it to see. And, and often I think it's very simple to identify where the issues could be, could be, you know, you could be occurring. Like you said, you know, if you're doing, um, not necessarily high intensity workouts, but high long duration workouts. You know, for example, if you're on the bike and you're putting a lot of power down, you are naturally going to burn carbohydrates. Your body's going to be burning that carbohydrates. And so that has to be replenished. Mm -hmm. Also, you need to have enough in the tank as well before you do that. And then also, you know, when you're doing longer, lower intensity endurance rides, then you're going to be in your kind of, l1 fat burning state uh, and therefore you are going to be burned fat so you won't need to carbohydrate so it's it's mm-hmm. recognizing that isn't it like you say it's not and I, I think that's so important that you said that that we are the internet is a great thing <laughs> but it's also it's almost like a little bit of knowledge is dangerous isn't it yeah because you can really impact yourself negatively if you take what you read and implement it and it's not ideal for your situation yeah you know that's a big thing for people and especially you know everybody has different genetics different microbiome different lifestyle habits different stressors you know you're working Mm -hmm. with parents with dads and that's you know you're working full-time you have a lot of stress probably working at home trying to get your job done with your kids there i mean there's a lot to juggle and Mm. you know working on matching your nutrition with your exercise load, that's why I created the holistic method that I work on people's stress reduction strategies. You know, what can we do during the day to push, pause, reset, and reboot? Work on your sleep hygiene routine at night. Work on getting movement throughout the day. Even though you went for a training session in the morning or at lunchtime, are you sitting the rest of the day? You know, digestion and gut health is huge because a lot of people, side note, don't eat right. They're rushing, trying to fit in on a busy day you're eating. Even if you're eating yeah. low-carb, healthy, real food, whatever the macronutrient ratio is for you to burn fat, well, if you're eating in a sympathetic state, your digestive processes are shut down. They're turned yeah. off. So, you know, how we eat, when we eat, why is really important just as much as what you eat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how you eat as well, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. and this this is, is might sound a little bit uh extreme to some people but how many times you chew your food being mindful about when you're eating because it switches on certain um i believe like does something to your saliva it does something to your stomach acid you know your stomach's preparing to receive the food and all the rest of it you know there's so many different elements that go on in in just the eating process that as humans we like you say we've become these for want of a better word, these busy fools where we think (laughs) that we have to be running at 100 miles an hour and we have to do, 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 Um, you know, and and how many, you know, how many people sit at the table with their phones and looking at their phones whilst they're eating? You know, I hold my hand up. I've been guilty of that at some time. (laughs) But when you recognize and realize that, you know, eating is a process that your body needs to get prepared for it needs to go through it's not just an shouldn't be just an unconscious thing is what i'm saying so there's lots of that's that elements i think people um but should become more aware of i'm not going to kind of bang my fist on the table and say you must do this but (laughs) it's just being becoming more aware of it isn't it 
Yeah. Well, it's called the nervous sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight, you know, run from that lion, yeah. saber tooth tiger, go. And then we've got yeah. the other side of it is the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest, key word, <laughs> rest and digest. Yes. And so that's why I tell people stop before you start eating. You're not allowed to multitask, sit there, focus on enjoying the meal. You know, I compare it when I'm in Italy eating lunch for two hours, you know, you sit and you chill, yeah. you focus on enjoying yeah. and chewing your food 20 times and not inhaling it and to get back to something <laughs> yeah. else. And I think so many athletes that are busy, you know, dad's working full time are probably eating really fast, trying to like just yeah. throw some food down because I need energy for my workout later and I got to get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's key. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the, the mindset is already on the next thing as opposed to the being more present, isn't it? And I think, you know, this is slightly off on a topic, but that's where meditation has definitely helped me, mm -hmm. you know, becoming more present in the, the moment that you're in now, not looking at the past, not looking at the future, looking at where you are and being present now. Um, and that definitely has helped me uh, with my stress. I mean, when I started to meditate, I couldn't sit there for 10 minutes. There was no way that I could sit there for 10 minutes and just, just kind of you know, relax. And this was even early in the morning, but I've, I've gradually learned how to do it. And it, it has a, has a massive impact. Mm -hmm. So Debbie, before we um, finish up today, what would you say are the five key actions that listeners can take away today to either, you know, detect burnout, avoid burnout, and, and start moving towards adding a bit more fat adaptation into their diets? Well, we always talk about nutritional therapy that, you know, working on your gut health and, and total health works on start north. So I would say, you know, work on what you're eating, switch to real food, avoiding mm -hmm. sugars and vegetable oils and processed yeah. grains. And focus on sitting and eating, as we just said, chewing your food and have proper digestion because that changes everything. <laughs> if you yeah. eat good food is key, but it starts north in your brain. So make sure you take time to stop, take three deep breaths in, mm -hmm. exhale out, you know, slow down when you're eating or else it's not right. time. It's not appropriate to eat. So you're going to just screw your body up if you're going to eat rushing. So just stop and pause, yeah. reset would be two things. Three, I think is, you know, learn how to disconnect and unplug during the day or at nighttime. You know, creating a sleep hygiene routine is key for me when I'm working on health coaching with people is, you know, are you catching up on your social media, emails, text messages in the evening? Yeah. You know, stopping eating before bed, but stop looking at your phone. Put things in airplane mode about at least right. an hour yeah. before bed, you know, two hours. Mm -hmm. And just stop and disconnect and connect with your family because yeah. that's huge because that's a big stress. If you're not sleeping, especially as an athlete, your recovery and repair detoxification is while you're sleeping. So mm -hmm. that's key. Uh, four is, I think, you know, I really believe it as you said, meditation, but I've been doing yin yoga at night since this pandemic right. started. We're trying to figure out what to do okay. at home. <laughs> and yeah. we started doing power yoga in the morning and they have these yin yoga sessions with guy Travis Elliott. There's free ones on YouTube. And then we ended up paying right. for his program and they're 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 45, so you can choose. But for that, to do that at night for, you know, even with your family and get everyone to stop, pause, totally focus yep. on, it's like meditating in a pose. You hold each stretch sitting on the floor. So it's relaxing two to three minutes 
And I've yeah. had my clients do that. They can't even make it through a 30 minute video. And it's like, you know, four stretches, but just learning how to be still. And like you were saying, we're, we act as human doers, not human beings is what yeah. we learn in yoga. You know, we always have to be doing something, but we should be still, you know, be present and not always looking ahead into the future. So I guess that would be four. Number five, being present is really key. Right. And yeah. I, I think lastly would be, you know, journal gratitude list, but identify your external stressors. What, what makes you happy and thrive and, you know, proud to be a dad, proud to be living your life, who you are, but then write down what are triggers that set you off, that make you angry, stressed out, frustrated, and start making that list of what are some energy robbers, toxic people, toxic things you do in life, and then figure out, all right, let's like peel the onion. What's the next layer? How can you pick one or two, three things that you can work on and then you know, go from there, figure out some strategies to overcome those because they, stress accumulates in your body. It's not right. just, you know, eating crappy garbage food, but it's yeah. everything, training too much, you know, anything we're doing too much. I would say, you know, more is not better. Too much of anything can become toxic and too yeah. little of anything can become deficient. And so finding that mm -hmm. right amount, I call it the Goldilocks effect that works for you to optimize mm -hmm. your health, your fat loss, your athletic performance, but really looking at longevity. So it's yes. working on the whole you from the inside out. And I guess I didn't add in number six would be lab testing would be your bonus. I strongly yeah. believe in working on lifestyle habits and all these things we're talking about today, but you're just, you don't, I think we're so stubborn. So unless we have evidence to show I need to make these changes now rather than before it's too late, but getting some, a collection of lab work, not just one at a time and yeah. working on that. And that's what I do now as an FDM practitioner is, is working on that whole person. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're, I think they're great points. I totally agree with what you're saying about the lab testing, and I use this analogy about we we probably well we do as a as as a as a human race pay more attention to the maintenance of our cars than we do to the maintenance of our bodies. <laughs> exactly. And I I believe we're in a time that we've never been in previously where we have so much access to now be able to do that to maintain our bodies rather than following the traditional protocol of waiting until we get sick and then yep. fixing it. You know, yep. with these lab tests, they are absolutely phenomenal now. They mm -hmm. can tell you, you know, what's going on. But what I will caveat this with is don't just go and get them and implement them. Just, you know, have them done, but have a coach or a practitioner that can interpret, you know, all the various different elements of those tests and actually implement, you know, the right um, resolution for you because, you know, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, as, as you it probably is. know as a practitioner? Yeah, um, no, that's, you know, I did the same thing. I was doing tests and I'm like, I don't like those results. Find a new practitioner and just blame <laughs> everybody for their lack of competency. But it was my own not really willing to change the way I was living my life and change, yeah. you know, to like where I am now. I'm living in the mountains and inland from yeah. San Diego coastline. And, and I would just add to that, that I think, you know, the testing, not just one thing and treat that is a, a key thing that I always did before. And as, and if you find an FDN practitioner, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner or nutritional therapy com, uh, practitioner combined, we can, you know, you're working on the nutrition lifestyle habits first, and then you start adding in 
correlating data. So it's investigating the whole you looking under the hood with the labs and correlating that with all your, your main health complaints and concerns and putting it all together. So it's putting the missing pieces of the puzzle together. So it is a, literally an investigation to what's really going on. Why don't you yeah. feel your optimal self? Because I would do labs and treat that with, like I said, supplements and just expect mm. to get better. But yeah. we do three or four or five labs, look at it all together and treat the whole person rather than treat this. All right, let's treat this. And I think it doesn't work as well because you can't heal your gut, for example, if you're eating foods that you're reactive to. You can't heal your gut if you keep working on eating in a sympathetic nervous state and causing chronic stress. Right. So there's so much to look at. So it is, you know, a comprehensive approach. But like you said, you know, it's better invest in your health and, and all the money people spend on their cars and getting their car tuned up and their wheels yeah. aligned and how much yeah. triathletes spend on a bike, but they want to, you yeah. know, blink at a new <laughs> bike and race wheels. But then they look at, oh, I have to pay, you know, a thousand dollars for some labs. No way. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good yeah, investment. hundred percent. So um, <laughs> before we wrap up then, Debbie, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel like I should have asked you, which would benefit the listeners? Hmm. Well, I, I did put, I did seminar on how to become a fat adapted athlete. So if people want more info on that, I made it into a free okay. ebook cool. on metabolic okay, so, efficiency. Yeah. Okay. So what's, what's the URL that people can go to? Uh, I'd have to ask my assistant. I it's on <laughs> debbiepots.net, but somewhere I have to find else okay. email it to you and people, you can share yeah, it, so but we'll, I've, we'll, I've been making everything yeah. into ebooks that are free. Cool. Okay. So we'll, we'll put all the links to those, um, in the show notes. And obviously you mentioned your book. So your book is just remind everybody what the title of your book is. It's called life is not a race. It is a journey. And then I also created the holistic method manual that has a chapter on each of the eight elements that I feel that, you know, people can work on. And so just all these lifestyle habits, the exercise, you know, mafetone and avoiding the black hole training and, and leaky gut and information, all that. So they're both yeah. on Amazon. Awesome. That's fantastic. And then your website is debbiepotts.net. And yep. then if anyone wants to connect with you, what kind of socials have you got? Low Carb Athlete on Instagram and a Facebook page, Low Carb Athlete. Awesome. Fantastic, Debbie. Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm very envious of where you're living right now and <laughs> the life that you've created. So enjoy it. And um, thanks very much for coming on. And I look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Yeah, you too. I'll have to have you back on my show, The Low Carb Athlete, talk about your transition in this crazy world. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.